That happens a lot. Five. 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 Bam bam! Welcome to the Gutsy Five Podcast. My name is Max. His name is Jesse. My name is Jesse, and it's that a, is my name. To, that is his name, and it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Got Till Five, episode. 97 this is the fourth before the end three left after this three what 97 98 100 oh yeah i always forget the sort of the hundred counts do you know what i mean oh it won't count though it won't count no but it's like it's like when i count weird because it's like in um, football seasons right um so like every there's 20 teams in the top league every team plays each other twice but then like it's so that's 38 games. And that confuses me. It's like, why isn't it 40 if they're playing each other twice? But obviously they don't play themselves. But so my I've, head doesn't quite work like that. Jesse's been playing a lot of football this afternoon, if, uh, if anyone's it's curious. So, yeah, not real football. Uh, FIFA. <laughs> the computer games. But yeah, I've, I've been doing very well on it. I'm really good. I've like got higher than I ever have. No one cares, but you know, I'm kind of a big deal in the FIFA world. Kind of proud of you, buddy. Kind of proud of you. Just a little bit. How... But, yeah. Are you? You got a little, you got a little right. bit got a bit loopy the other night. You had a couple of drinks. Now you've come oh, yeah, down again. Last. Yeah. Um, well, well, I had a couple of drinks with um friends from work afterwards, only three, and then you go home and you get the thirst. The thirst is rough. That's like you're just like, I just need to keep drinking. And the next day you're like, I didn't need to keep drinking. I was fine as I was. I had a perfect buzz. But in that moment, the evening before, you just have to carry on. So I, I drunk skateboarded, which is quite a trip, um, down to my local corner shop and bought some more Zayda and um, had lots of that and regretted it the next day. But I played it off well. I don't. I think I'm quite good at hiding hangovers when I need to. So I was at work feeling like absolute death, but I think I was outwardly looking quite good. And then like the rare moments I was alone in the office, I'd just go, oh, God, I'm just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> then they come back in and I'd be like all suave and cool again. He's, he's not a wild boy. You are the worst for this. It's something that you do where it's like, well, it's 12, half 12, one o'clock, where it's probably wind down in front of beer. And Jesse's like, no, let's go out and get some more. <laughs> let's go get some hookers. It's never needed. The hookers are never needed, folks. They, don't, they just sit there awkwardly because you fall asleep so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they just take your watch off and leave. As they should. Take the tips, dear ladies. I got my Shenmue watch. They can't take this from me. This is the watch that Ryu wears in the Shenmue games. A perfect replica. It's my pride and joy. It's a very cool watch, and I wish I had one. Um, Thank you. Got till five. I'd be worried. <laughs> oh, Ine-san. I wish someone would care for me the way we talk about does. we talk about Shenmue on this show way too much. Like it's how. a normal thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> everyone knows. Like it's a cultural reference everyone has. No one does. Not, no. not even Shenmue people remember Shenmue anymore. No, and um, I feel like this episode kind of plays into one of our strengths of talking about stuff that not a lot of people are really that interested. This is a weird one. So you this came up with this, yeah? You had a bit of divided intervention. I did. Well, um, I was trying to figure out for what to do for the episode. I went to bed normally, went to sleep, um, 
I drink a lot of water, so I always wake up in the middle of the night to pee because I'm an old man. And I woke up at like five o'clock and I shuffled into the bathroom. And normally, when people wake up in the middle of the night, they just zombie pee, go back to sleep fine. My brain goes, I'm, I'm glad you're awake because I've, I've, I've got this idea. I've been thinking about this. And how about we do top five times that the antagonist was was right in their actions? And then my brain just kept telling me, you know, we went through a whole bunch of movies together. We had a little journey. And it was like six o'clock in the morning before I went to sleep again. Nice. Well, that's cool. And so I'm happy to do this because, like, this is something that you haven't even forced on either of us. It's just something that came to you and it's natural and I love it. It's weird, but I'm into it. Um, I've stopped going for wheeze at night time. I used to quite a lot but now i i consciously hold them in like it wakes me up at night but i hold them in and there's two reasons for this the first one is that um i was told when i was a teenager that if you hold your wee in it means that you perform better in bed so i don't i don't think that's true it's probably quite dangerous but (laughs) (laughs) neither part is connected no no there's a fly in here um and secondly um the we've recently had the light in our bathroom changed so the light went wrong or something and they've changed it to this led thing and my god it is the brightest light you like you turn it on and it melts your face off sort of like like brightness so i sort of think oh god like you're obviously it's night time you're in bed you think if i get up and go for a week and i turn that light on like it's just going to ruin my night. <laughs> it's just going to be so, it's going to burn my retinas out and I won't be able to sleep again because every time I close my eyes, it will just be bright white for the rest of the night. So it's just scaring doing, me off my own toilet. Just he's doing long-term damage to his body just because of a little <laughs> bit of bright light. It's the same with wrestling. Like Jesse doesn't watch WWE anymore because the lights are just a little bit too bright. <laughs> they are, they're little... too bright. Their cameras are too good. Ah, that's how Jesse has his eyes. They're too good, lights too bright. I, can't I, just, I just, I just want everything to be slightly grainy all the time. That's <laughs> my happy place. Um, okay, so two things: you're going to have a, a very damaged uh, bladder in the future, and so there's with the a little walnut of a bladder that you're going to piss to bed at some point. And yeah, that might happen. I'm all for it. When's the last time you wet the bed? Have you ever done it as a grown up? Not as a grown up. No, I've always no. been terrified of doing it. Yeah, I remember. I think last time I did it, I was like 19 or something, which is too old. But I was having a dream about weeing and, you know, you're sort of smiling away at yourself. And then you wake up and and that total panic when you wake up and realise what's going on is just the worst. And it could happen to anyone. It could happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight. It could just come out of the blue for anyone, I reckon. Just if that wee dream happens to hit you at the right time. Unlucky, but yeah, not since I was nineteen, girls. So don't worry. I remember. <laughs> I remember last week when someone was like, "Oh, why has got to a five ending?" This is why. This is why. <laughs> I'm gonna. So the thing is, like, the fact that this show does all right scares the shit out of me because I do occasionally meet people who tell me things about myself that I wasn't aware I told anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like total yeah. strangers come up to you and they're like, yeah, so um, so you pissed the bed when you were 19. I was like, what's going on? Like, were you just like, up against my window? Especially but, yeah, with that, your memory, because you, you forget everything. So yeah. this must be genuinely terrifying for you people <laughs> coming up to you. I'm just constantly, this is why I'm going to be a hermit into my old age, because I'm just constantly walking down the street looking at people thinking, do they know me? Do they know things about me? <laughs> it's every single person I see. It's not healthy. It's not a it's good not way healthy. to live. 
It's not fame is a mask that oh i thought about this the other day sorry this is we're going off the tangent already but um i've always really loved not that like we're famous or anything, but like, like it just popped in my head then thinking everyone knows you and stuff and um the phrase um fame is a mask that eats away at the face have you heard that before i can't yes. remember who says it good phrase. Um, what a fucking great phrase right yeah right. and i thought it's becoming literal because like um i found out recently how veneers are done do you know this where they shave it down into like a little what the fuck is that so like all these yeah all these like beautiful quote-unquote people actually have these little horrible shark teeth like in their mouth and these fake teeth on top and one day like those teeth if the apocalypse are gonna fall out and stuff when we're all like relying on real shit and gee like the fact that they all look like that underneath that is a mask eating away at the face of these famous people i think Exactly, and it's going to be horrible. Imagine... It's life imitating art. Noah, get the boat! <laughs> uh, I'm just picturing in the 60s, like, uh, we're recently widowed, and we go and meet some some girl on a date. She used to be a famous TikTok star. Now life has let her down. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're so funny, but it's like... <sighs> here's the Hickam it's the horrible! <laughs> it's, it's really horrible. Disgusting. I think people. Katie Price, you know, Jordan, she got papped in between having her veneers replaced when she had the shark teeth. And obviously the tabloids absolutely love that shit. But that was how I became aware of that this is how they're done. And it's horrible. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather just have slightly crooked teeth, to be honest. Don't have shark teeth. Although uh, some days I go, I'd like shark teeth. Just have really? those moments. You just have would those get moments. veneers. No, no, I or just want... Specifically I, shark teeth, not the specifically veneers. Specifically I don't want the veneers. I just want them to, like, shave them down. Teeth that could tear humans. Exactly. Exactly. Funny for so long, and now it's been strange again. We've been good, haven't we? We have, we have. We're having a, we're having a rough day. But it's okay, tonight it's just a chatting episode. We've put no effort into this. There's no clips, there's no images. It's just us having a chat. And when we're... Yeah, you you put a bit of effort in. There was little cartoons at the start. There was, I was. I'll show that again for the people. There you go. It's lovely. That looks effort. really nice. So we got Blofeld on the left and um, Taxi Man on the right, right? I, I didn't couldn't tell who was in the middle. Um, And Dr. Jekyll... And Mr. Hyde. Hyde. Oh, okay. Yes. Ah. So the reason those guys are there is because we're talking about the top five antagonists that were right. It's the movies that you watch. It's the comic books that you read where the bad guy has a plan and the good guy's trying to stop him. And about 20 minutes in, you go, this actually kind of makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it's not a bad plan. Like, I can kind of see where this guy's coming from. Obviously, they, they give them, like, some kind of horrible motive or something is wrong with them. But the, the base plan makes you go, okay, maybe there's something to this um, going on. So this was kind of tough. This fly is really getting on my tits. Sorry, audio listeners. <laughs> there's this fly just flying around <laughs> just my Jesse head. clapping. It's like, <laughs> um, there's, so uh, this was difficult for me because it turns out, I think my moral compass is slightly skewed. So like <laughs> I'm watching a lot of films going, this guy's awesome. He knows exactly what he's doing. And turns out that no, he's a horrible person and everyone disagrees with me, but I think he's a good person. Like, like this isn't one of my picks i don't know if it's one of yours um and cobra kai has sort of lent itself to this a bit but um the the blonde kid from the first karate kid film right like the bad guy yeah. 
actually had a real rough time of it and was I think he was really the good guy getting bullied by Danielson. Yeah, exactly. And, and then that's how they do the switch. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about in this. Uh, I think your choices are quite restrained. Or, or I'm just coming around to your way of thinking. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can I can see all of this stuff happening. Well, two of my films are children films. Well, all three, I guess, could be argued are children's films. Um, so, it's, But I think they're easier to sort of do because the plots are simpler. <laughs> but, but like I did, I said to you earlier, um, I wanted to put a Bond villain in because I love Bond, but I couldn't think of any that um, actually, like, I like a lot of them, but I like them because they're cunts, like, and they do horrible, horrible things, and that's why I love them. As a quick honourable mention at the top of the show, as things we're talking about it, I still stand by Raul Silva is a good guy. In Skyfall, yeah. In Skyfall, because he is, so for people who don't know, he is tortured by the Chinese um, government, for secrets based on MI6 and um, MI6 gives him up to get back some of their operatives and they just leave him to be tortured for five months and he does cyanide. He just wants a bit of revenge. He just wants, he never gave up the secrets. He never gave up his, his mantra of being a spy. He is basically Bond if Bond was pushed past that point and betrayed by MI6. He was just betrayed. He, does, he deserved everything he did to those people. Yeah, I, I could I could see the argument, but then like you know he did do a London he did a terrorist attack in a train station, which in London, which I feel like is sort of that yeah, sort of a bit. A bit. <laughs> yeah, only a few hundred people died. It's cool. Yeah, it was a quick tumble. It was probably yeah. Easy. Well, he was, and he tried to. I mean, yeah, there are redeeming qualities about him actually. Like he came, he tried to bang Bond. I quite like that. I like that he yeah. like sexually came onto him. That made, I don't know why that makes me like him, but it does. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when M uh, is dying, he's like because he's mental, but he's like, oh my god, you're bleeding and like all this, and it's it's almost his insanity is actually quite sweet. Exactly, I, I think he's very justified in his actions. So and he's got a lovely big face. Lovely big face when he takes out the his little mouth. The biggest faces I've like... ever seen in my life. Yeah, and then he... Like and... Nick Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes a little suicide capsule, doesn't work, and his face is still big, even though half of it's mounted off. Gifted. Gifted man. So yeah, that's, that's very good. what we mean by a top five agonist, uh, antagonist, as an example. Before we get into <laughs> our list... Agonist. Agatha <laughs> Before we get into our list, quick reminder: uh, got till five for sweet merch. This weekend is free shipping. Woo! Free shipping this weekend. Do you have to pay the man? Just get cool merch. That's nice. all you're paying for is the cool merch, not Royal Mail. So uh, head on over to got till five That kicks in tomorrow, all the way through till Sunday. Enjoy some payday loveliness now. Payday? Oh man, it's been a long month, isn't it? Do you oh, get yeah. pay- do you get paid the last Friday of every month? Oh yes. Yeah, me too. So the last Friday of last month is ridiculous. Ninterd, welcome to the show. Ninterd, I'm hoping all these entries are fictional. Well, Ninterd, um, I've got a little story to tell you about a lovely vegetarian artist called Adolf Hitler. Okay, <laughs> and <laughs> he was a lovely man with a lovely little mustache. <laughs> Imagine we if we had him at number five, everyone just gets really nervous by the time yeah. he gets to number one. <laughs> He's a published author. <laughs> <laughs> just misunderstood. No. I also get this as a recorded medium that we're on. Um <laughs> this, stays, this sticks around forever. This will be dug out in the future. Anything we do in the future will be like, let it be noted that he did say this once. Yep, yep. And this impacts me more than it impacts you. Yeah. Uh, because my like- career is very much in the public eye. 
Yeah, well, mine will be again once um, the um, old lockdown stuff is lifted, because I don't normally do the internets with my other avenues in my life, but maybe I will more. Who knows? We'll Who see knows? what happens. We'll Who see knows? what happens. But uh, let's get cracking, because we've been rambling for a while now, and the people are getting impatient. No yeah, one's stopped on. off yet, so thanks, everyone, for staying we're, during we're that over, 15 minutes. We're over 15 minutes in. And it's, yeah, that was just inane. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all still here. What does this say about you versus us? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> And there they go. No, no. no. <laughs> and Jesse's kicking us off at number oh, cool. five. He doesn't know the order that he's going. So, surprise. Hooray! Okay, we've got Sid in Toy Story, the first Toy Story film. Um, first off, um, he wears a, t- a Zero t-shirt. I'm wearing a Zero t-shirt today. So that skull on his t-shirt is the logo of Zero Skateboard Company. Uh, founded by Jemmy Thomas, who's one of my favourite skateboarders, favourite skateboard brand. That puts him in my good books straight away, okay? Secondly, um, he's see, like, there's nothing wrong with Sid. What, like, he's a really creative kid. Like, those toys that he's made shows an imagination unlike any other child I've ever met. And that imagination should be cultivated and praised. Yeah, it's not. He lives in clearly a domestic abusal, that's not a word, but you know what I mean, like an abusive, a domestic abusive household where the little sister is just looked after beautifully and praised, whereas he's clearly not, by contrast. When Buzz escapes to the little sister's room, she's like got a lovely room, she's got lovely toys, and yet Sid lives in squalor in his room with his toys. Buzz sneaks downstairs and the dad is like asleep on the sofa drunk, um, so I'm assuming drunk. Like, why else would you be asleep on the sofa at that time? Amphetamines. All that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a nice household. And yet, Sid has this incredible imagination. He's invented these toys who, by all accounts, are lovely. Like, yes, they look scary, but Woody and Buzz meet them and hang out. And they got the little baby doll with the metal spider body and um, other ones. That's the most memorable one, isn't it? But, like, um, <laughs> they are all, like, really lovely toys. And yet, Woody and Buzz take it upon themselves, particularly Woody, to further traumatise this abuse victim and, like, scare the absolute shit out of him by being the cowboy toy and talking to him. And it's... Imagine being a child and your toy starts doing what Woody did to him. That would be... And, like, the arms crawl out of the sand pit and all that shit. Jesus Christ, that's horrible. But I feel like there's a bit of redemption because in Toy Story 3, they do a callback. They have a little cameo of Sid in Toy Story 3. I don't know if anyone knew this. The um, trash man who picks... <laughs> I'm the trash man. The uh, the bin man who um, picks up um, the rubbish um, when at some point in the film, I don't know when it happens, but there's a trash yeah, man. The beginning. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, you can see under his like luminous jacket, he's wearing a skull t-shirt and that's Sid as a grown up and that's his job now. And he's working for the council. He's having a lovely life. He seems happy. He's whistling away. So I think it worked out all right for him in the end. But he was a lovely kid with good intentions. We were all kids like that. Do you remember the Biker Mice from Mars toys, Max? Did you have them when you were a kid? I didn't, but I remember you talking about them, yeah. Right, loads of people I know, including me, had Biker Mice from Mars toys as a kid. There was a thing with these Biker Mice from Mars toys. If you pulled them hard enough, you could get their arms off. You weren't supposed to, but you could take their arms off. And because of the way they were attached, you could mix and match your Biker Mice from Mars arms, right? So you could have, like, scrawny little white mouse with big, tonky black arms from, like, the uh, big black mouse and vice versa with little scrawny white arms. 
which was fun. We all did it. We all did what Sid did, but he was more creative with it, and I commend him. The thing you're going to learn from this list of Jesse's choices is this just is these are people Jesse relates to. Like mine are <laughs> from like a subjective taken aback stance, and Jesse's like, yeah, I can see where this guy's coming from. I can but be this guy. 100% agree. You know, Sid, okay, yes, he was putting tours together, but we don't know that um, he did this himself. He could have just been giving crappy toys, like leftovers, like, oh, here's a head, here's a bit broken bit of He could have just been given broken toys as a kid, and he fashioned and made these together, you know? That's true, yeah. yeah. I mean, we do see it where he pulls the head off and puts the pterodactyl on his sister's one, but, oh, yeah. like, he just wants to create cool stuff. As you say, he's a creative child. He has this, this need for seeing stuff, yeah. and then... Honestly, I, I, people think people forget how terrifying that scene is. Like you have army men rising from the dust. You have headless <laughs> toys like Mama, Mama walking through, and then Woody, um, fully animated face, goes to him and play nice in like a really menacing way. And I, okay, I'm not saying anything about bin men and the profession. They make a lot of money. They have a lot of great benefits, but. What could Sid have been if he wasn't so traumatized? What happened in those 10 years of psychiatric breakdown that Sid had? He could have been designing monsters for, like, monster horror movies. That's what mm -hmm. I reckon. What's that one that came out recently that you were excited about that's doing well? Kong versus Godzilla. Right. Is it that? Yeah? yeah. He could have been He could have been on the design team of films like that if Woody exactly. hadn't fucked him up. That's what I exactly. reckon. Let, let's let's track his actual the, the posh kid moves away and he is now terrified for life. Like he never sees that doll again, he never sees Woody, he never sees Buzz ever again in his life. So he's in his room, he's probably got rid of all of his toys because they know that they're, they're evil. His one kind of source of enjoyment was these toys that he played with. So he's alone in this room, which was just a mattress with no covering on it. Um, dirty flooring, n nothing in that room was enjoyable to him. No, so, while his sister has everything. While his sister has everything. So let, let's just go on the journey of Sid. He probably turned to drugs. It's all he yeah. had to kind of break out the amusement of not having his toys or his life anymore, turns to drugs. Maybe he does a stint in prison. Maybe he gets mixed up with the wrong crowd and, and goes to prison there. Finally gets out, is on parole, needs to look for a job, and he's able to find one working as a, as a bin man. And, and that's him getting his life back together. But the trauma, people. The tra I bet he's kept that story to himself his whole life. Yeah. And then one day, he's going to release that story to someone he cares deeply about. And they're going to laugh in his face. And he's going to go through that trauma all over again. Sid's never going to find love because of this, guys. Sid's never no. going to find love. He's never going to raise a family. Woody, Woody ruined a little boy's life. Yeah. And he didn't even care. He didn't even think twice about it. Never mention it again. No. Just, yeah, didn't give a toss. Oh, poor Sid. Poor Sid. I hope Sid murders Andy. <laughs> I reckon that's what happened at the end of. Well, he wasn't in. Andy wasn't in Toy Story Four, was he? That yeah, was like a dead. different. Set. Yeah, maybe that's why they had to change the plot of Toy Story Four because I should we can't use Andy. He's been murdered. <laughs> Sid needed his redemption. He was like, the only way I can get back to a normal life is if I take out Andy. And he also. Do you want to know a bit of Toy Story trivia or like something Always. interesting? So, you know, Buzz is given to Andy um, for his birthday near the start of the first Toy Story and he's having a birthday party downstairs. Um, at one point, Woody and everyone looks downstairs and there's Andy and all the other kids for the little party they're having. You only see it for a brief shot. But if you pause it, every single one of those kids is Andy. 
Interesting. There's like eight kids and they're all Andy, which I assume was done because CGI was in its infancy and it's easier to just design one kid and replicate them. But yeah. creepy. There's many conspiracy theories around Pixar and it's all part of this universe and every movie's connected and it's a hole we can go into, Jesse. It's a hole we can go into. Also, Andy's mum, fit. Very fit. And if we go by the fact that they're selling the house and moving, recent divorcee, or the dad died. Hello. Yeah, where's Andy's dad at? Maybe Sid got to him first. Mm. Maybe Jesse's new Andy's dad. And she never remarries. Andy, step dandy. Cheap pops. So yeah, Sid uh, from Toy Story, tragic character, destroyed by a buffoon. He's a good kid. Yeah, I think you're gonna like my choice, Jesse. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. And I don't know if it's something that you've ever considered before. Okay. Okay. Um, so I've gone for Eric Gordon from Big Madison. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Just gonna let Jesse get out of his system. He has to go Sorry. through the quotes in his head. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Swan. Um, so, Eric. Okay, I thought. You know what? When you just said that, do you know who popped in my head first? Who? I'm um, Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. So we're we're on the same sort of wavelength. But there's definitely an argument for Shooter as well. A guy that's worked his entire life to finally win this tournament. And some hockey jabroni comes along and completely steals his spotlight. I totally get that. Well, this is it. And this is exactly the issue with Eric Gordon. So for people who don't know uh, the film of Billy Madison, because it's one of those ones that me and Jesse <laughs> presume is a cult classic like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings that everyone watches and it's in your collection permanently. Funny enough, Jesse, it's not. No, a lot of people don't know Billy Madison. To, to me, it's up there. It's like Shakespearean in its Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the execution. Citizen chain of comedy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's level. Hey, did you see on um, Rotten Tomatoes, Citizen Kane, which has dropped always down. had a 100% yeah. rated, dropped down because an 80-year-old review has been added to the uh, Rotten Tomatoes website, which was a negative review, which has dropped it down, which is amazing. Yeah. I love that saltiness. 80 years of saltiness, that's what I like. So... Billy Madison, for people who don't know, it's about a, a typical uh, Adam Sandler character of a of a guy who doesn't really care. He likes smoking weed, hanging out with his friends and drinking and not doing a lot all day. His dad's very rich and owns this chain of hotels. He basically owns all of the Hilton hotels, to give it context. Um, and he's like 20-something, and he's a joke, and he never graduated from school. And then one day at Dinner, it comes out that like, oh, you're not going to take over the, the hotel business. I'm going to give it to um, Eric, who's been my longstanding right-hand man for all these years. Billy's like, what? You can't give the hotels away to that guy. Dad, I can prove it. And he says that he'll do every grade of school from kindergarten up until uh, graduation. And if he does all of that, he can take over the company. So all does every, do gra- every grade in two weeks. Every grade in two weeks in order to, to get the company. And we're meant to believe that, like, Eric Gordon is this horrible man who is trying to stop Billy Madison from achieving his his right to take over this hotel chain. Yes, <laughs> Eric is this insufferable human being. He's this typical, like, business, rich guy, whatever. Um, and the actor Bradley Whitford did a great job. He makes him the most hated person in the film. But when we're talking about running a company of... 500 hotel chains worldwide. There's no better man for the job 
Dan Eric Gordon, who has been with the company since he first started. He has he knows the business inside out from a financial perspective. He knows the growth plans. He knows the marketing departments. He knows everything there is to know about Madison Hotels. And then he's at dinner, and this guy who sees penguin hallucinations decides, and is mentally disturbed, let's be honest, he's mentally disturbed, decides that he wants to suddenly run the hotels. Um, and he has to now, Eric has to fight for his role of the successor, even though he's done all of this hard work, nine to five, every day for the past 15 years. Um, and it's not a legal battle between Billy and him, which would make sense for a Fortune 500 hotel chain. Uh, it comes down to an academic decathlon. And by by the and you know he starts passing the grades and he starts working his way through and they get to like the 12th grade and he's about to do it and they put up to an academic decathlon and he ends up breaking like eric snaps and he has like a gun and he properly has a mental breakdown and it is a justified mental breakdown that he has yeah totally and then he ends up getting shot by steve buscemi yeah, who Billy Madison bullied in high school and made one phone call to be like, oh, sorry, I bullied you in high school. Then this nut job shows up with his lipstick <laughs> and whatever on and shoots the guy. I kind of agree with you, but spoiler alert for anyone else that's seen it, the um, Hilton Hotels or the Madison Hotels um, do end up with Carl, who I think is a very capable person. For this, yes, it is the movie that goes to today, Junior. Yes, it is Nintendo, it's a classic. Uh, yeah, Carl is a is a great person to take up, but this shouldn't have happened in the first place, Jesse. Shouldn't even been considered. It should be like, no, hang out with your burnout, Norm McDonald friends, and your clowns, and all this kind of stuff. But then, so not only does he end up giving the company to Carl at the end, he then says, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to go to college and be a teacher. So instead, Billy Madison is now in charge of our young. That's worse. (laughs) Much worse. Like a hotel chain? Yeah, maybe it goes out of business. Maybe he becomes bankrupt and he runs for president of the United States. Maybe that's what happens. But teaching our young? No. Unacceptable. And he has he has no real redemption, Billy Madison, throughout the whole movie. Like, he doesn't get smarter and start maturing throughout. He, in fact, gets worse. Like, by the time he gets to high school, everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, like the peak of Millie, Billy Madison is fitting in in the fourth grade. He's like, these are my people. These are my friends. I think it's the third grade. It's the third grade. <laughs> Miss, no, it's not Miss Lippy's class. It's the one above it, isn't it? No, Where it's, it's, so, it's the Lippy's it's the love interests class that he feels most at home in. Um, I can't remember her character's name, but she's hot. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's the third or the fourth grade. That's where he he slots in, and he doesn't mature throughout the film. He struggles through high school, and yeah, there's just there's no redemption for Billy Madison in terms of like <laughs> learning or maturing. He's a horrible person. Horrible person. Um, yeah, just yeah, a clown got a hemorrhage in his head before these parties that he ended up throwing. <laughs> Just awful, just awful. So for me, I think, and I was rewatching it a couple of months ago. I was like, no, Eric is one hundred percent right. If I had to fight for a company that I've been working for, be livid, little snot-nosed yeah. brat showing up. I uh, yep, to- I'm totally with Sid. You. Yeah, this is us getting old. Problem. Yeah, <laughs> Miss Lippy's this is us getting old. Green. Um, <laughs> Jesse yeah. has a T-shirt. There's a quote, by the way, of Miss Lippy's car is green um, <laughs> from the janitor. Who's the janitor for and Eric? It's just as deadpan. <laughs> this car is green, and Jesse has a T-shirt of it with the janitor on him. I think it's 
the wisest purchase you've ever made in your life. <laughs> Thank you. I've got that and I've got a uh, blue duck and it says that's quite fantastic on it as well. <laughs> it's my two favourite t-shirts. <laughs> what a quotable movie. What a quotable movie. But I think you're right. This is a sign of us getting old that we start to go... Wow, Side with the corporate cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Literally last week we did an episode on uh, top five punk, punk rock albums of the 90s and then this week we're like, yes, corporate greed on America was 100% correct. 100% right on this issue. Let's make some alt-right punk. That's never gone wrong for anyone. <laughs> Why did you suddenly go to alt-right? Like, we can't find a happy medium. <laughs> I can't go centrist world. right. You're just like, I, no, I, see, I see the world in black and white. There's no middle grounds for me. <laughs> Troubling, troubling statements. This is uh, this is the episode they bring up in court. This is the one. <laughs> okay. Uh, we just got called posers. How dare you? Um, who? who posed us? <laughs> you posing punks. Um, Jesse, you're... Yes. This is the only one I disagree with on your list. Oh, exciting. Okay. To a degree. To a degree. I, I, I see where you're coming from, but please explain. Gaston, okay. Well, first off, no one's as slick as Gaston. No one's as quick as Gaston. <laughs> and um, no one's neck is as incredibly thick as Gaston's. So that's first. Um, it's a banger of a tune, the it Gaston song from Beauty and the Beast. So Since let's I get that out of the way. Earlier, it's been in my head all day. <laughs> right? It's no awesome. one flexes. It's just, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's about. So I think if there's a song about you in a Disney film and it absolutely slaps, that gives you brownie points straight away. Um, so that, you know what else is about? This is not this song, uh, this film, but um, a Disney song I was talking about the other day with someone, and it's not until you think about it, it's a fucking tune. Is um, sang by Robin Williams in Aladdin, Prince Ali, fabulously oh. Ali Ababwa. What a tune! What a like, tune! The way those drums come in and like the parade, and and it's, it's just yeah, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Like Robin Williams sung his heart out for that tune; it was awesome. Uh, that and if you're a fan of British folk music, in Robin Hood they've got the song about Prince John, a pox on that phony King of England. Which, if that wasn't in a Disney film, you could just release that as like a angry English folk punk song, and it would do perfectly well. I think a pox on and that phony King will. of England. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I actually learned it on guitar for that very reason once upon a time. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Anyway, Gaston. Um, right, okay. First, this song establishes that... Hang on, I'm doing this in the wrong order. So Gaston... Focus on. Gaston, right, um, is, by omission of this song, the most handsome, eligible bachelor in the town of wherever Beauty and the Beast is set, right? They... Make that clear with the song. All the girls are in the bar. They're swooning over him. Like, everyone wants a bit of Gaston. Gaston's not bothered about that. He's in love with Belle, okay? He loves Belle more than anything. We all have had someone in our lives that we've loved and hasn't loved us back. And how much does that hurt? Like, lesser men give up. Not Gaston. Gaston. Um... <laughs> like you could say borderline harasses but, but you know you could he, he he's, he's passionately in love with Belle and makes this very clear doesn't want any of the other girls despite being a beautiful man he's very muscly got a big chin lovely um Belle's dad gets kidnapped by the beast is that all like he's like hunting or something isn't he and he gets caught by the beast yeah. and put in prison and stuff uh, so Belle goes and ends up getting kidnapped by the Beast as well, and it's a swap job. 
Um, so he's like, all right, I'll release your dad as long as I can have you. The Beast, by the way, let's not forget why the Beast is a beast, okay? He is a beast because he was a selfish little prick, right? He was a vain, selfish, horrible prince man. And so this witch lady was like, you're, oh, that, that, the opening of this film is awesome with all the stained glass stuff. Do you remember yeah. with the narration sort of explaining all this? Uh, Disney, you do some good shit, man. I know you're evil, but fair play. And, um, and so the beast gets turned into a beast um, for being a horrible person. and doesn't learn from it. He carries on being a horrible person. First he kidnaps Belle's dad. And then he sees Belle and he's like, that's a tight bit of ass. I'm going to, if you want to swap for that, that's fine. So he takes Belle, releases the dad. The dad runs back into town and goes, shit, like my daughter's been kidnapped by the beast up at the castle. We've got to do something. Who comes to his aid immediately? Gaston, that's who, because he's a bloody good bloke. He comes there. And he goes, right, I'm going to go. Yeah, we're going to go kill the beast and save, like, the love of my life, this beautiful girl, who, by the way, is, like, a nerd. Like, she likes the library and, like, wears just, like, normal old, like, that blue and white dress and stuff. Like, cheap dress from Primark or whatever. And (laughs) she's, she's she's always reading in that. And it's like, that shouldn't be Gaston's type. But when you're in love, you're in love. And I think that's admirable of Gaston. He clearly doesn't go for sort of the bimbo you'd assume. He goes for your intelligent girls. So he's like, we need to go kill the beast and rescue Belle. That is the right reaction. That's exactly what you do. So he goes and attempts to do that, to save the love of his life. But in that time, Belle has developed Stockholm Syndrome, hasn't she? So what's she going to do? She's falling in love with this animal. This is borderline in, um, beast bestiality, by the way. She's falling in love with this weird beast thing. She's talking to candles. She has no idea what's going on, right? <laughs> and the and so he goes to kill the beast. Gaston, what is wrong with that? And Gaston ends up getting murked by the beast. Um, and the beast turns back into a human. Belle's not even gutted that Gaston's dead. She's just like, oh yeah, cool, you're a human now, so now our love won't be a horrible bestiality sin. And they just live happily ever after. Chip, the little cup, turns back into a human for some reason, doesn't have a big hole in his skull. Where's that chip gone? Chip? Huh? (laughs) Like, let's have some consistency here. But this is what I'm saying. Gaston was a good bloke. He was a knight in shining armour. He tried to save the girl. It didn't work. He literally got killed by the beast and no one gave a fuck. What is, it? what is that? What is that indeed? No one lives um, waits like Gaston. <laughs> no one dies like Gaston. <laughs> Excellently argued. Flawless, really. Flawless argument. Be- Beautiful, darling. There is that slight moment you're forgetting where she he tries to get Bell's dad committed to the insane asylum, even though there's nothing wrong with him, just so he can get close to the bell. Look, we've missed, all, you missed that little detail out, didn't you? We've all done crazy things in the name of love, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Justified, just right. But you're right. You're 100 right in that the the beast is a horrible character, and she has Stockholm syndrome. Kidnaps the dad, holds this woman hostage. Then she falls in love with him. Gaston knows none of this con- this pretext. He knows none of this side exactly. plot that's going on. He no. just knows that the pretty smart girl from the village has been taken by this horrible monster. We have to rally around and, and save her. And I think it's sweet what you said that he he could go for the bimboy type, but he wants to culture. He wants to intelli- he wants to have a conversation in bed on a Sunday morning. With exactly. a nice little fried egg, and they're just like talking about she, she's educated him on some some French philosophy. That's what he yeah. wants. And what about Gaston's little mate? I can't even remember his name. You know, the little one with the big yep. red nose. Like 
total div kid, right? But yeah. um, but Gaston obviously has no problem with that. He doesn't see people like he's not shallow. He see so that little mate, total div kid. He, he sees through that. He spends time with him. Bell nerd sees through that. He's a good man, and he, he looks after himself. Works out. His chest is covered with hair. <laughs> Basically, as long as anyone's got a good song, Jesse will support them. If you've got a song about you and it's good, I'm I'm gonna defend you to the hill. I don't care who you are. Uh, who do think... you think you are kidding, Mister Hitler? And <laughs> 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 uh, that's twice. I was, I was gonna do like a count of how many times it would come up. Um, what was I gonna say about Gaston? Uh, Nope, you can't. Hit you the... can't defend it. Yeah, you you've tried to. You said you disagreed, but I've floored you with a fantastic argument. So just get on Team Gaston with me and be done with it, please. I mean, the, the only issues I have is to committing the dad to the insane asylum, and he is a bit rapey when it comes to Bell. It's a grey like, area. He's a bit forceful. Yeah. I can't yeah. even. I, I can't even immediately argue someone being rapey because it just no. doesn't. It doesn't. It's not funny. It just can't be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to work. <laughs> it's about to. He already has. Oh man, you should read my blog. <laughs> <laughs> dangerous times, people. Dangerous times. Uh, yeah, oh, Gaston. There's some great videos of the the character Gaston who gets played by the people at Disney World, um, and he'll do like yeah. push-ups with people uh, on the street and stuff. And it just how funny is, is he? Like, is he is he just a good-looking dude, or are they giving him a big mask? No, he's just a good, a typical American with like the massive head. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that doesn't that. make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the the padded muscles and stuff. Like he'd be who I'd be excited to get an autograph from if I went to Disney World. So I do a push-up went... contest with him. So yeah, oh man, that'd be dope. Oh, we should go to Disney World just for opportunities <laughs> just like that. Us. Like, yeah, that'd be amazing. Just us two. I've been to um is it called Euro Disney now? But I mean, it was called Disneyland Paris when I went. Um yeah. the uh, the Disneyland in Paris. Uh, which which is fine, but it's a bit like you know, you see like footage of the American one, there's no comparison at the, all. It's the little of Disney, yeah. Yeah, but I, I went to that and um as a child, like a 10-year-old or something. And I got a picture with Aladdin, right, which I loved at the time. And uh, when I look back at this picture, it's like, hmm, it's just like a 10-year-old boy being basically cuddled by a man, a topless man, other than a waistcoat. <laughs> like, it's just all a bit weird. Like, because he was dressed in his sort of tramp clothes, not his Prince Ali clothes. Although I did see him in a parade later in his Prince Ali clothes. And I was like, fair play, that's a quick change. And uh, <laughs> After he was done with you. Yeah. I've got a friend who played Stitch at Disneyland. She um, is a very talented saxophonist. She worked on the circus, but she's also very, very short. So she um, got hired to um, wear the Stitch costume and be one of the Stitches at Disneyland for a while. That was good times for her she was telling me about all the secret tunnels that they've got underneath so that they can tell get us faces more. quickly yeah oh man so there's secret tunnels under all of like a bond layer right and um bond villain like super layer and um so it, it's so that um there's well there's a couple of reasons it's so that they can get places quickly without being harassed by children if there's like a parade going on over here or whatever and it's also to ensure that two characters aren't in the same place at the same time because there's loads of goofies mate there's loads of mickey mouses do you know what i mean so what? you've got to make sure, yeah, they, there's not just what the place is huge. So like, and everyone sees Mickey, right? So there has to be Mickey strategically pl placed around. 
So they um, have them, they have like several ones and they need to make sure that they're not going to bump into each other. And also, um, I heard that a friend, my friend told me this as well, that um, there was a Goofy who got hit by a car and the, like, <laughs> in front of all the kids. It's not funny. Like, he genuinely got really badly hurt. Like, I don't think he died. but he was, It's like, very funny when you think of the image of properly, it. Yeah, but he was properly paralysed, right? It was like, like, yeah, it was really bad. But the Disney people were like, shit, what do we do? Like, in order to, like, untraumatise the kids. They, so, so they stretch her off like this goofy who's like who's bleeding from the brain and then they take it away and then they get like a goofy backup and they put like a big comedy bandage over his head so that when he comes back <laughs> to the kids he's like oh goofy I hurt myself but I'm okay now <laughs> it's and then there's a poor person whilst, in the ICU while someone's doing CPR yeah like underground on goofy number one <laughs> that's horrendous <laughs> It's not funny, but it, it really is. is. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic Disney. <laughs> Back out there. <laughs> that was my brother. I don't care. <laughs> Put a bandage on. <laughs> do, you, do you remember in the, uh, uh, Modern Family it is, the Dylan character is working as a mascot at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a big costume, like he gets in a fight with someone and they shove him in like what looks like the character's chest. <laughs> And he's like, okay, that was my face. <laughs> Just shoved him right in the face. <laughs> oh. You unsung heroes of the world. You you mask-wearing costume people. I have a, all the time in the world for mascots, be it Disneyland or sports or whatever. They're awesome. They're the best thing about life. That's a weird career that like I, I want to venture into later in life. Like age 40, just put me in a, put me in Goofy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna isolate that audio. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, to carry on with the list, mine at number. T- I feel like this is gonna be a bit controversial. I've I've picked it, and I go, hmm, is this in good taste or bad taste? But here we are. It's written down, so it's okay. happening. Um, Eric Killmonger Stevens from Black Panther. Okay. I, I saw this quite recently, in fact, this film. So I actually know what you're talking about. This is good. So this is the American dude that was like part of the family, but abandoned in the Bronx, basically. Exactly. And then yeah. he's like wanting to get back and stuff. So obviously there's issues with how his character kind of goes about stuff. And Michael B. Jordan is such a good actor. Like yeah, he he's is awesome. incredible in like everything he's done. Even the, the uh, Creed franchise should have bombed on its ass of like a spin-off of Rocky from like 40 years later. But because it's him in that Creed role, so good. Yeah. And he can make you, he's one of those actors who can make you believe anything. And I think that's why he's so good in this role. Um, he's done comparison. I saw loads of interviews where he compares his character to Magneto um, in the sense that he is seeking revenge for various atrocities and wants to empower a disenfranchised segment of the population. So he's holding a grudge against Wakanda for not interfering in outside politics. And even to the extent of he said that they did nothing while Africa was being subjected to slavery. They just kind of sat behind their veil and and ignored it. And they amassed all this power and all this technology without doing anything. Um, So that's why he kind of comes to challenge it. His opening scene is him in uh, the British Museum talking about the, the artifacts from Africa and from Wakanda to this woman and he's like well 
how did you guys get this? You stole it. Like, this is all stolen stuff from my people, and you don't... This doesn't belong to you. This is not... Classic colonialism. Us British, we love stealing stuff. And then be so like... it's kind of our thing. It's kind of our thing. And then people want it back, and we go, nah. That's <laughs> nice British now. Yeah. It's just nice. We're still looking at it. It's nice to look at. It's pretty. Um, so he challenges for uh, ownership of Wakanda, because he wants to bring Wakanda out into the world. He wants to spread what's going on and all this kind of stuff. So he, he challenges to T'Challa ch- uh, to, to a fight in order to get Wakanda. Every other tribe, except for T'Challa's tribe, is on his side. Every single other tribe is like, yeah, this this guy knows what's up. And when I was watching it, I, I was like, he won fair and square. He won fair and square. Didn't he beat she? the shit out of him. Beat yeah. the shit out of him. Um, sent him away. Um, he went in some weird, like, death land, T'Challa. And got help from his ancestors and was brought back and, and took back back control. But it's just like, all Killmonger wanted to do was he wanted to help these marginalized co- communities. Yes, he wanted to send super weapons to them and help them fight back against their oppressors and kill people. But, no, that's fine. I always, I always argue this, like, with um, our bombs, right? So, yeah. like, I know, like, we shouldn't bomb people, but our government already owned bombs, right? Yeah. They're already paid for. And I'm pretty sure that they expire at some point. Might as well use them. <laughs> just saying. Just, <laughs> just saying, saying, guys. Just saying. If anyone in the comments would like to let us know what country you would most like to see bombed, um, I will we'll write a letter to the government. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all good. But... <laughs> It's it's the way that he kind of obviously goes about it is like not the best. But even T'Challa at the end when they have their big fight and they kind of battle and stuff, he sees that he's right. That's the thing. He goes, actually, this makes a lot of sense. Because all Wakanda is doing at this point is they have the closed off dome. No one knows where it is. Um, and there's all of this war and suffering going on. And they refuse to open their borders or help or intervene. They've got all of this amazing technology and all of these weapons and um, these next level kind of outcomes of tribes and this negotiation process. And and they just stay hidden. And then it takes um, Killmonger to die. And that scene is horrible, by the way. Like his his death. And it's oddly. It's oddly touching. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to see the sunset over Wakanda. Like, oh. Yes, he was angry and he went about it the wrong way, but all he wanted was the best for Wakanda. He wanted to like have his birthright, because it is his birthright at the end of the day. He was meant to be the actual king of Wakanda, and he just wanted to open up to the world and share the resources. And it takes his death, and then fucking Charla comes along and is like, yes, I've had this idea, guys, where we, uh, we open up our borders and we start sharing our, our resources and we start helping out people. Uh, completely my own idea. Like... It was all me. And it's like, no, 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 no. And I, I just feel like he is this un- misunderstood kind of campaigner for the people. He sees what's going on in the world. He sees the issues. And yes, he's like this angry kid and stuff, but he's got the support of the tribes behind him. And he has all of this. He's this anti-colonialist revolutionary. He pretty much stands for what the original Black Panthers of the 60s, 60s stood for. He, he is pretty much everything that you would want from from a leader in, yeah. in all honesty a proper leader not like uh well let's all just be friends because that's not realistic it doesn't work no you it can't confuse work. friendship with respect 
Yeah, exactly. So or you popularity. need Yeah. It's not a popularity, very funny and very lovely. And but you know, you need to take actions. You can't be siding with the CIA who get involved in all this kind of stuff, siding with these government agencies uh that go against your your homelands and your people. It's like, no, get involved, take a stand. Wakanda's one of the most powerful nations on the earth. They've got all that vibranium just hanging about. They've got all of these resources, all this tech. Take a stand. Loads of shit. You know who else I fucking loved in that film though is, and they ended up being all right. Um, the um, like gorilla guys. Do, do you know what I mean? Were they baboons or gorillas? I can't remember. Um, the they had the, like, the big monkey sculpture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they had the big yeah, monkey yeah. sculpture and stuff. In the, War like gorilla. Yeah. yeah, they were dope. They were awesome. Exactly. You know, you know how much I love monkeys and subdivisions of monkeys. And they understood. They understood exactly where he was coming from. That's why they, they kind of sided with him, because they were like, yeah, that makes sense. We should be sharing Wakanda's resources and not being parried to, to all of this American bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, they were down with it. I'm with you. I like this guy. And I thought that when I was watching the film. thought I liked yeah. it. I was pissed. I was pissed at the end when he did, because it, it wasn't even like something was revealed that he did something really horrible. It was It was just consistent that he was a pretty pretty decent dude in, in terms of and and that death really fucked me up when he's <laughs> he's like taken out to the to the sunset or the sunrise whatever it is horrible stuff yeah um i like, like his little you know he gives himself a sort of scar per kill that he does and he's done so many that he sort of he almost looks like aquaman he's sort of giving him a scaly quality which i quite enjoyed which mm. I, I know what people are going to say oh he murdered people and he's got all those marks over himself but he took the moment to remember and memorize all the people that he killed to get to the point that he did that's respect by, by doing that like, he paid respect to the people that he died to, to get what he wanted so yeah killmonger amazing character black panther is one of the best films that marvel has done in years it's yeah. incredible the whole cast incredible um we've said with um with him and also um chadwick boseman just just awesome. Just you know awesome. what they need to stop doing, though? I mean, they can't really do it. This is my problem, I think. But when, like, really famous actors are playing roles that are not the lead role, it really takes me out of a film sometimes. So, like, I'm watching Thor, and we see Thor's dad, and I'm like, that's Anthony fucking Hopkins. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, and it will always be Anthony Hopkins. And in Black Jeff Panther, Goldblum chilling out in the back. Yeah, yeah. And you see, like, um, the dad <laughs> in Black Panther, and it's like, that's Forrest Whitaker. Like, these are really famous <laughs> people. And, like, you know, the worst one was actually The Hobbit. So, The Hobbit, I think they did a good job with, because what you, what you ideally want with films like that is casting of, like, not um, massive actors. And, I think two people at the time outside of England, Martin Freeman wasn't a, a well-known face. So that worked perfectly as Bilbo. But then all the dwarves turn up. One of them's James fucking Nesbitt, which again, like <laughs> the Americans don't know who James Nesbitt is. So it's fine for him. But James Nesbitt is a very famous Northern Irish actor over here. And he's great and he's really charismatic, but he basically plays James Nesbitt in everything he's in, including this. So it's just James Nesbitt being a dwarf. And it just doesn't, it just completely took me out of the film. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's, Oh, it's just, there's Adam from cold feet. <laughs> <Just shorter. laughs> 
it's true. I guess it's a hard line to walk because you put these established actors in that role to allow room for the, for the young actors to come in, like your Chris Hemsworth and your Tom Hiddlestons to to cement themselves. And then Anthony Hopkins is this old retiree character. But you're right. You go, oh, cool. That's Hopkins in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you think it completely takes you out of the story. They, uh, we talked about this with the Bond stuff, didn't we? That in Skyfall, um, the... Um, groundskeeper character um, at the old Bond mansion near the end was supposed to be played by Sean Connery. Yes. And then they decided not to do that because they thought it would take people out of the film. And they're totally right. It would have done. Said, oh, look, there's old, there's old Bond. Just like, um, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. Definitely not. Hey, do, um, do you know what Do you know what time yeah. Sean Connery turns up for Wimbledon? What time? Tennis. <laughs> I'll do the voice, man. Tennis. Tennis. I must, I must, I must be dreaming. <laughs> okay, so we're on to number ones. Mine and Jesse's number one picks for the top five times that the antagonist was right. And Jesse's dear pick is Magneto from Xmas. So this links on quite well um, to you. So there's obviously different incarnations of Magneto. I'm specifically thinking of Ian McKellen's first outing as Magneto from the first X Men film. That's the one I'm thinking of because, first of all, the first scene of that film, underrated, by the way, I think, now, um, the old X-Men films, because obviously the Marvel Cinematic Universe has taken this whole different direction and doesn't include these X-Men films. And But I think they're fucking great. But anyway, the first scene of this is a flashback to World War II with Magneto as a child lose basically with his mum being dragged off by nazis and it's revealed that magneto is a survivor of the holocaust how first off how the fuck do you take a holocaust survivor and go right we've got our antagonist for this film do you know what i mean like that's ridiculous to make that person a bad guy and we see like the numbers tattooed on him later and stuff like he clearly went through some shit yeah, well, what they expanded on that in X-Men First Class when they rebooted it. And the opening scene of X-Men First Class is, is the uh, concentration camp again um, with the the pulling of the defense, but yeah, they take yeah. it a step further where they want to experiment on him to find out like how he has these powers. And there's a German scientist played by Kevin Bacon and he's like crushed a, crushed a coin and he can't do it because he's not angry enough. So they bring his mum in and he's like, crush the coin or I'll kill your mother. And he, he can't do it. And then he'll shoot the mum in front of him. And he just fucking tears up the place. And then it's led to believe over the next however many years he's in that concentration camp. They just do experiments on him. Yeah, that's um, fucked up. Fucked up. Obviously, poor Magneto. Like, and, and he's grown up. And basically, the just he's, he's, he's basically Martin Luther King for mutants, is what Magneto is. Because... Or like Malcolm X or something like that. But he um in this film, he there's a horrible senator. I can't remember the senator's name, but he's um this senator is doing doing these speeches and sort of saying that these mutants are starting to we're starting to see that the next evolution of humans is mutations and people having these special powers. And he's saying they should be stopped, they should be like tagged and all this shit. That's basically like racism, really. And it's bad, and Magneto is just <laughs> like, racism is there. bad. Guys, guys, racism <laughs> is bad. Don't be racist to mutants, and mutants like so. Magneto is standing up for the mutants, and he's basically a freedom fighter. He's saying, "Look, um, all mutants should be accepted in society, just like everyone else. But if you're going to um, 
like try and keep us essentially as slaves. Let's not muck around here. There's like keep control and um, take away the human rights of mutants. We'll just rise up because we know we're stronger and take you over. Then that's not a problem. Yeah, like if you're not going to compromise, try to compromise. You won't. So that's fine. We'll just have to destroy you. And that's what Magneto does. And I think that's totally admirable. And I would do the same if I was a mutant. Well, his plan for equality was he was going to turn everyone into mutants. That's what he does with the senator, yes. but it's unstable. So he, he says, like, well, I will turn everyone into a mutant, so we're all as one. So you don't see us as outsiders because you will be one of us, which I think pretty dope. I'd love to be turned into a mutant. I'd be pissed if I got a weird power. Be very annoyed. <laughs> Well, like some kind of slimy thing. Like, I can just, yeah, like every time I open my armpit, a slice of plastic cheese falls out, and that's all I can do. <laughs> but come burgers, come barbecue season, you're lucky to have me. I'm a fucking vending machine, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I 100% agree, and I feel like they expand on this even better in the, in the new trilogy that they do with uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto in that movie as well. It's all about him gaining vengeance on the German soldiers who imprison him in order to find Kevin Bacon and his characters. X-Men First Class is the greatest X-Men movie ever made. It is perfection. I watched it with you when we lived together. That's the first time I saw it. It was dope. And then they shit away the series like they do with all X-Men. But there are moments that are very good. There's one uh, Days of Future Past where they go to the future and are trying to correct course events. And it shows that humans have managed to build these robots that can hunt down uh, mutant DNA. And they go hunting for uh, X-Men in order to kill them based on these giant robots. And comes this whole dystopian thing because the robots end up destroying everything. Um, But again, you know, being hunted and and being killed and repressed and this kind of stuff where you kind of half get the argument of like, can these X-Men be controlled? It's the same argument that comes up in like Civil War um, in Marvel, where they're like, well, you've got these uncontrolled powers roaming around. They can destroy stuff. They can do whatever. Going unchecked, how do we we control it? It's it's interesting how you can honestly just see this happening. It's just, yeah, exactly the reaction that would happen if mutants came out tomorrow. This is exactly what the response would be. They need to be controlled. They need to be understood. They need to be tested upon. Blah blah blah. And Magneto just wants just wants peace and quiet. Yeah, I I love him. I'd imagine how amazing it would be to be Magneto in like if you wanted to cross a busy road or something like that. You could just fix that shit straight away. That's awesome. If you had to have an X Men power of all the X Men, who would you have? Oh, that's tough. Uh, <coughs> see, it's a weird like. As a kid, Cyclops was always my favorite good yeah. guy, but that's a shit power, really. Like, if assuming, well, like that technology to put that shit on his face, like, imagine if that wasn't around and it and it isn't in real life. So you just have like those constant eyes. And by the way, how miserable must his life have been before someone plonked one of them on his head, just like destroying everything he was? Um, no, I think Nightcrawler would be mine. I was about to say Nightcrawler. Love, love the teleportation stuff. Who doesn't love Nightcrawler? He's he's uh, again. The, they do so many good things in the second bunch of sequels. They explain about Cyborg getting the glasses and all of that kind of stuff. They explain. They do Nightcrawler so much better. Nightcrawler in X Men Three or X Men Two, whatever it is. X Men Two. Oh, I don't know. I quite liked him. Um, yeah, doesn't do it for me. Played, played by. Um... 
guy, what's his name? Alan Cummings, I think, um, who was also Boris in Goldeneye. There you go. There you I go. am invincible, that guy. <laughs> Goldeneye. Uh, Goldeneye, not Goldeneye. You fool. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Nightcrawler. I, I wouldn't be mad on being blue and having a tail and stuff. But Fair. Um, I mean, if there's a way we can get around that, but still have the teleportation. Also, my understanding of oh, this is getting nerdy now, but my understanding of Nightcrawler teleporting is that the way it works for him is that because it's a big pink um, cloud of smoke, isn't it? When he yeah. um, teleports. I remember this from the comic and the cartoons. Um, less so the first, But he doesn't act. It's not like he clicks his finger or if I had that power, it's not like I would go, okay, I'm going to come and appear next to you in London now. Mm. Like that. It's not like that. It's Nightcrawler goes into another dimension and still has to physically get himself to where he needs to be. It's yeah. just, he's done that. It's just no time has passed in this dimension. So if I was to teleport next to you now, I would go, and I'd be in a different dimension. I'd be like, okay, here we go. Exactly. Walk down the motorway for about two weeks <laughs> to, to London. And then and like, then... I'd go, poof, and I'd be next to you. And I'd be like, fuck it out, mate. <laughs> and I'd be absolutely starving. And I'd be like, so, mate, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Hang out tomorrow, like just pop back. You know, I know you. Yeah. You can just like you go home and pop back. So just pop back tomorrow, and you put. Like, yeah, oh, God, I walk home. So yeah, so that's why he doesn't travel great distances when he teleports. But I'm still cool with that. I quite like that. Why? Why put yourself through the effort? Fully, fully respect it. Fully respect yeah. it. What about you? People, what would your power be? Well, I, was, I think people sleep on Professor X and how cool his power is. Um, I mean, it's the ultimate one, really. You can control. He really is the people. ultimate one, and everyone just goes, well, "I don't want to be bold and paralyzed." So, <laughs> yeah, I'll I mean, pass. the, the paralysis is um, not part of his power, is it? Like exactly. That. This is what yeah, people are but... saying. Like, I don't want to be professional. <laughs> like wheelchairs. No one likes wheelchairs. <laughs> but he had a time where he could walk around quite freely. Yeah, so, he was uh, fine. And just because he went, but like people go bold, it happens. All right, guys. Yeah. Let it go. They've got wigs. They've got they've got stuff. Yeah. Fix it. But Magneto again, very cool power. Like controlling metal. Look at how much of our lives has metal in. I don't know what I'd use it for. It's a power that you can only use for evil or just like shit bar tricks. <laughs> I mean, but you could like basically become the Silver Surfer, right? Imagine just getting yeah. a metal board, standing on it. Woof! Off we go. Like I could uh, just like make myself fly through the sky, standing on my own bit of metal board. That's what I'd do. That's very true. They've all got their benefits. I mean, Storm, for example, you don't want to go out. Your friend's like, oh, we're in the park. Come to the park. And you go, I haven't got a good excuse. Rain. <laughs> that part, yeah, that, I mean, you you would, like, fuck up the world, wouldn't you? Like, the eco-climate would be fucked oh, God, so yeah. quickly if you were Storm. I would use it so many times for not leaving the house. Just like... <laughs> and then that one day I go out, but like, Rain sunshine. <laughs> November, Max. Sunshine. I like it, but, but everyone, but because like you've got a big mouth, everyone would know that you were the guy with this power. So like the only time it's ever sunny in the world, he'd be like, oh, Max must be out. <laughs> <laughs> First time in four weeks. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Or they'll be like, he's going to the shops because I'd like turn it off for a little bit. <laughs> Go to the yeah. co-op, come back. So it'll be like five minutes of sunshine. Max is buying beer, everyone to the beach. <laughs> to the beach. <laughs> uh, I would be a villain. I'd turn all of them into villains. God yeah. love it. On <sighs> interesting, you said about how uh, being paralyzed isn't part of Professor X's powers. That's the same thing with like Wolverine, isn't it? Where Wolverine's actual power is just healing quickly. 
That's all yeah. we can do. And yeah. he, those metal bits were all put in him like by a scientist. So that's not a power. He yeah. just got he away made, with that. He had weird bones before. That's just gross. Like he's not going to show that off. Yeah, it was like bones, bones. and then yeah, and that, and then they grafted the the metal onto those bones. To oh, I didn't make... know that. I thought he was this normal dude who could heal quick. Yeah. Yeah, he had like we, they do it in the later movies, and it's just gross. And he like pops his bones out and say, like, "Oh, put them away." Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, that's gross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the film. I don't know how it would look now because I haven't seen the first X Men film in a while. But as a kid, when that film first came out, that bit when Wolverine first gets his claws out mm-hmm. when he's in the bar um, after his cage fighting. And they show the bit he gets he gets the two out that pins the guy against the wall, and then the middle one just slowly comes out and stays oh, right shorter, just so it's pressing against the Adam's apple. But they show like the camera in slow motion shows it coming out of his skin, just coming, and it just I just remember as a kid watching that going, that is the coolest thing I have seen in my fucking life. Like that is awesome. Exactly, and he gets to flip people off with his little. Yeah, I like that. Just add, it just adds an effect, guys. <laughs> Okay, um, my number one pick, I think, is like I've not gone for anything flashy here or trying to impress anyone. I just genuinely think it's the number one reason an antagonist was right, and that is uh, Ron Batty from Blade Runner. Have okay. you watched Blade Runner? A very long time ago. Okay, so so Blade Runner as a film is it's all futuristic. It's noir, and there's these replicants who like are in servitude to people, and they're very human looking and this kind of stuff. And there's these people that kind of hunt down replicants, and they they work in like the police force and all this kind of stuff. So there's these rogue replicants that come about, and basically the whole concept of why Roy Batty is evil is the Replicants only have a lifespan of four years, right? So after four years, that's it. They're decommissioned and dead. He ends up going to his creator. He travels to see Dr. Tyrell. And he's like, I want to live longer than four years. That's it. Fair enough. That's what what makes him evil. And because of that, Dr. Tyrell goes, wow, clearly these replicants are getting a bit out of hand. Let's hunt them down and kill them all. And I'll hire people in order to do it and send it across. So... This is what they do. They're like, oh, there's these replicants. They're out of control. We're going to send people to um, to take take them out. And even though, like, Batty looks terrifying. He's this big, muscly, blonde-haired kind of guy. He wants his freedom. He wants to get the other Nexus 6 models to safety. Um, and they just start hunting them down like rats. They find all these Nexus 6 models, and they go and kill them. Harrison Ford is this, you know, hero detective cop and having his own little story. Um, but yeah, it does. That's pretty much the long and short of what what they're doing. And at, at the end of the day, replicants are made to be like like people, or or they're glorified cyborgs um, that are just kind of used for for slave labor. Basically, they're they're, they're I'm used getting, to just do. I'm getting Agent Smith vibes from the Matrix. Very much so, and I, that's going to be in an honorable mention in a minute. Actually, yeah, There's some good honorable me. mentions coming up. Um, and this was the driving narrative of this film, and. We can't really support his. He does do some murdering, but he kind of, you know, murders. <laughs> he, he does a little bit right, of murdering. He does the murdering for the right reason, in my mind. He goes, he goes to the people who are trying to stop him, basically, and and the people who are bad. Um, but he is just one of the replicants that wants an answer to the questions. Um, he knew that the human corporation that enslaved him would 
how they would react if they did this. They they were going to retire him and do all of this kind of stuff. Um, but he knew that he was not this anomaly of life, that he had these thoughts. He knew he was proof of av- evolution. Um, so he wasn't this evil robot. He just wanted, he was someone who wanted to live and kind of push himself forward in terms of what he did. And in terms of the story itself, especially at the end when you have Deckard who falls off the roof and uh, this is Batty's chance to kill him. This guy's been chasing him, trying to like run him down and terminate him the whole time. He saves him and he pulls him up onto the roof and he makes this beautiful speech about the rain and existence of life and how hum- humans and, and um, robots are, are similar. And he could have just let him die. This guy torturing him, he could have just let him fall to his death. But he saved him because he knew his life was coming to an end. His four years was up. He was about to be decommissioned organically. And he accepted it. And he wanted to do a good deed at the end. And there's a beautiful monologue of people haven't seen it. And I won't ruin it by reading it. But the monologue of Tears in the Rain is one of the greatest moments in cinema history. And in my mind, Mr. Batty did nothing wrong. Very beautifully argued, and um, I can't remember it well enough to super agree with you or disagree with you. But it sounds like he's a bloody good bloke. He's a bloody good bloke, and 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 for me, I just feel like and big, muscly, Harrison and blonde. Ford. I know yeah. someone that would like him, <laughs> Jesse, Mister Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> That's free. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the ball game, folks. Uh, um, yeah, so that's that's our list. That that's our five, and I think it's it's a strong list. I think we have argued our case as well. Well, I think Very we've well. done well with all of them. I was expecting to. Um, um, oh, hang on. Uh, I still think N and Team Plaza and Virgo. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Um, we did. We did. Yeah. N from uh, N from Pokemon. Let's go on to honorable mention. So N from Pokemon. He wanted to free Pokemon from enslavery of the humankind and wanted them to kind of live free and all this. He's a misguided animal rights activist. Exactly. He he went about it poorly. He wanted to steal everyone's Pokemon and do other stuff. But he was right. And there are times when you're playing this kid's game of Pokemon, you go, fucking hell, I feel really bad. Like, I'm just (laughs) making this this poor little whatever level up and fight for me and die for me and horrendous Yeah. uh, as we go on. Um... That's my my least favourite Eevee evolution, that is. Um, That's funny. That's funnier than that. Napoleon. That was was good. That was good good stuff. stuff. Just just came to me. Just came to me. Uh, I had two Disney ones in mind. If I want to say another Disney one for my honorable mentions, I would say Jafar from Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Tell me what he did that Aladdin didn't do. Like, Jafar (laughs) did stuff wrong, but only all the things he did wrong, Aladdin did wrong first. Yep. There's nothing. So Jafar might not have been right, but he was no worse than the good guy. Yeah, exactly. He just took it to a little bit of an extreme level where he wanted to kind of a uh, little bit of world domination. He got I think he would have done great. I think he would have done great as yeah. a leader. It was fine. Just me, yeah, and and seduced um, like Jasmine by using genie wishes to essentially turn himself into a lie. It's exactly what Aladdin did. Yeah. Yeah, Aladdin's no better than him. That that's the difference. Like, yes, Jafar may be flawed, but Aladdin's no better. No. And he's got a lovely little parrot. Yeah. Much better than that stupid little monkey. Yeah. Oh, I like I like a boo though. 
Who doesn't? Um, one I really wanted to mention, which I absolutely love, The Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I love this idea that she is a good person, because she is. So she starts with, like, I'm going to get you and your little dog, too. Do you know why she wants to get her and a little dog? Because Dorothy's fucking house landed on her sister, and she <laughs> stole her shoes. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Like... Yeah. She just wanted the shoes back. She was like, just give me the shoes back. It was my sister's. It was my sister's. You know, I just want like a little heirloom. They've got some magic powers in them. You don't know how to use them. And Dorothy's like, (laughs) no, bitch. I'm going to amass an army and I'm going to, I'm going to drown you in water. So you melt painfully. Yeah. Amass an army. (laughs) Is this army you speak of? The cowardly lion, the tin man, the the scarecrow. Yes. yes, I think I I could amass a better army than that. (laughs) It works though. They, they melt a woman, Jesse. They melt her. What a horrible death. Because she wanted some shit. Do you know who's always reminded me of um, the Cowardly Lion? Who? Don't the lead me. singer of Nickelback. Every time I see him, I'm blonde like, hair, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, there's, there's the Cowardly Lion. There he is. Hmm. Look at that photograph. Beautiful. It's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wicked Witch of the West. What a, what an angel. Fuck Dorothy. Honestly. Yeah. Exactly. Agent Smith, we've already mentioned. Um, Matrix well, is one of my say... favourite film trilogies, and I, I love Agent Smith. I was going to say The Machines. The Machines are the good guys uh... in this. Because the humans end up kind of blocking out the sun in order to kind of fuck with the machines and stuff. So the machines have no option but to then harvest the people to get the power resource that they need. And then not only do they harvest people, which I guess is terrible, but they don't just keep them in pods and like just suck out their life essence. They give them this like world that they can live in and exist in and have like love and enjoyment and all this kind of stuff. They could have just like sucked their energy out of them, but no, they built this actual, actual love for it. World, yeah. Um, the yeah, no, I'm down with the machines, but I don't think they were ever, I don't know if they were ever framed as the bad guys. I mean, maybe I'm too much of a nerd about it. Like, like if, if you watch the Animatrix. Um, which sort of ties up a lot of things in between films. They show you how the war started and stuff, and it's yeah. definitely sympathetic towards the machines. Yeah, because we're really mean to the AI, and that's what I mean, where they kind of um, they blotted out the sun and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. From, a, from a film perspective, like the, the free films, it's like, oh, they're like storing the people, and you've got to get free and get out of this. And like you're leaving this this world that we live in to go live in a tin can and eat slop. <laughs> yeah, but do you remember One the party three. in Zion? No, but the party in Zion, there's a lot of topless chicks, so they're all dancing to like drums and stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm into Let's it. See, we can get that here. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, slop. <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose I suppose you're right. I love the sort of again nerd alert, but the whole sort of twist of like um, that the one is deliberate the machines make the one for every iteration of the matrix and it's essentially the one is the is the guy that reboots the matrix mm-hmm. and takes people and starts it all again and zion is part of that they wipe out and restart zion all the time they're just completely in control and the only reason it didn't work with neo is because he chose instead of choosing to do that and reboot everything he chose love and went for trinity instead which just fucked everything up yeah. but I, I just love that. The machines are in total control all the time through those films. Apart from with Smith towards the end, Smith got a bit out of control. 
And, and look what happened to him. Yeah, I love it when he has banter with himself when he's just before he kills the oracle, <laughs> and they're all just standing around. And he, yeah, he's like, you know, cookies need the most attention, and they're all like, <laughs> like just laughing, patting themselves, literally patting themselves on the back. It's exactly what we'd all do. It's, exactly what we'd all do. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, I, f- I feel like Marvel has a lot of these characters where you go, yeah, I support uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. When we have Vulture. Vulture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vulture. Like, again, that, that's another one where like, I see Michael Keaton and I'm like, that's fucking Batman. What's he doing here? <laughs> but, like, but Vulture is basically just Tony Stark. Tony Stark starts off as this weapons manufacturer and is just trying to capitalize on war. All Vulture's doing is he gets he wants to do the honorable thing. He wants to help out and clean up the city and stuff. Tony Stark is the one who takes the contract away from him. He's like, fuck it. Like, fine, i got to make a living. He doesn't want to take over the world. He doesn't want to even take over New York City. He just wants to make money for his family. That's exactly. it. Yeah. He's not and he, doing and anything he, bad. And he clearly loves his wife and daughter more than life itself. Like, yeah. he's a proper family man. Yeah, he's just doing doing stuff properly. So I was like, no, I was not feeling that. I, I feel like he got a raw deal at the end yeah, of the with day. You. Where, yeah. do we stand, where do we stand on Loki? Because Loki is... Um, he's a bit of a cheeky chappy, isn't he? He's literally the god of mischief. What do you expect him to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's he's very lovable, and yes, he does evil stuff. But it's his ju- like he's the god of this. It's literally what he exists for. You can't like judge him for that. Exactly. I can't wait for that TV show. That is going to be. I'm oh. a big yeah. I'm a big fan of Loki. Perfect. Of course you are. He's he's, he's a little shit. <laughs> Even from a Marvel perspective, uh, people have argued that Thanos is right. Like, Thanos, all he wants to do is bring balance to the universe and wipe out half of all living life in order for stuff to carry on and uh, for resources not to dwindle. Yes, it's maybe horrible. Half of life <laughs> would die. But he's, he, his intentions are good. His intentions yeah. are good, people. Totally. Come on. We mentioned um, Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore earlier. I stand by that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's worked very hard and he's a very, very talented sportsman and um, deserves to be treated better. Yeah, and then I guess this whole thing of just Adam Sandler being a dick and just like ruining people's lives, isn't there? Yeah, right. Who's the. I, I suppose I'm trying to think of other Adam Sandler films. There's no bad guy in Big Daddy, really, is there? Um, no. I mean, there's, there's kind of the social worker, but he's just got the kids' best interests at heart. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we could really argue a lot of points. I'm worried for us. We're like, yeah. <laughs> everyone is good <laughs> everyone um yeah i'm trying to think of more off the top of my head what other films do i like i asked you the other day what am i passionate about because i kind of forgotten <laughs> you had to remind me of things i like I'm like jesse what if we do an episode of just things you like and he just went what do i like max <laughs> tell me what I like. and i told him and i told him what he liked. <laughs> you reminded me <laughs> he's like yeah i do like your that. interests include good i am rebooted <laughs> uh for me to fuck it, this is the one time I'm ever going to get a Star Wars reference in on this goddamn podcast. the The clone troopers, the the goddamn clone troopers, are these poor little test tube babies cloned from this one person, and they do the bidding of the Republic, and then eventually they're turned by the Sith, and they become um, stormtroopers and all this kind of stuff, and it's clones. But like, they're just cannon fodder. Like you're just cloning this one person to go into battle and just get murdered again and again and again. And then they become stormtroopers. And you forget that they're not robots. Like I remember watching it with someone once and they're like, oh, just a bunch of robots died. No, a bunch of people died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actual humans who actual humans in those suits, they're just wearing armor and and they all died. Like they're just following orders. So like everyone's oh, stormtroopers are the bad guys. No, they're, they're just doing their military service. 
Yeah. What about the... Um, I remember... I'll get these names mixed up, I think, because I can never remember which one's which. But um, Boba Fett is the son of Jango Fett, or is it the other way around? Yes. I'm right. Yeah. Um, so I remember in episode two, um, Attack of the Clones, which, as we all know, is the greatest Star Wars film. Um, that is comments, the film... Comments, comments. <laughs> that is the film where um, Boba Fett literally gets beheaded and Django Fett, like his head just rolls to the feet of his son. Yep. And then later on in like the later films, Django Fett is a bounty hunter and he's like taking revenge and that. Totally get it, man. If your dad was beheaded right in front of you and like the head just rolled to your feet, you'd be fucked up. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. You'd uh, you want to take a bit of revenge. So um, yeah, I. I feel like the troopers and the the clones who who come from Django and Boba, um, the because the clone became Boba Fett. That's yeah. where it originated from. So Django is the clone for all of the um, stormtroopers and, and what what have you. So yeah, totally agree with you. Fucked up. Yeah, even Vader's all right in the end, really, isn't he? Yeah, he's just, he's just a bit misunderstood. He yeah. just wanted to conquer the universe. We've all been there. Well, I mean, we never knew. We never knew what Darthy Baby was going to do. We didn't know if he was going to set up a new republic. We didn't know. Like he never said, like, "Wow, I'm going to take over the galaxy and kill everyone." That was Palpatine's plan. It wasn't yeah. Darth's plan. And he gets fucking power bombs <laughs> through the thing. <laughs> Batista bomb. <laughs> good times. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of good guys out there, people who are misunderstood. Oh, if they I go could about do, things if... the wrong way. One, come on. If I could do a callback to um, our wrestling days, if I could just throw this one in there, 2008 Chris Jericho, when Chris Jericho turned heel and did his feud with Shawn Michaels, mm -hmm. totally on Chris Jericho's side. So he was sort of saying, look, um, Shawn Michaels cheated to win that match, and yet you all love him. Why do you love him? And he was completely right in everything he was saying. Yeah. CM Punk also walked that line very well. Like, I think yeah. they're the two best examples. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's don't get suckered in people of who you meant to cheer and boo for, who you meant to love in films and support. It's not, it's not all black and white, it's even though I white. said earlier that I see things exclusively in black and white, which that is only comes true. down to, to race and political views. <laughs> when it comes to film, he's very open, he's got a full spectrum of colors. I'm very, I'm very gray. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I always love movies that make you kind of not go, oh, that's a bad man. Wants to make a young. I kind of see where he's coming from a little bit. Those are the movies that I really enjoy because you kind of see that perspective, same in TV shows, wrestling, comics, books, whatever, where you can kind of see that point of view going across. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's our top five antagonists that were right and we fully support and we fully back going forward. Thanks. Smashed it. Smashed Again. it. We really did. And thank you everyone who... Um, tuned into this episode i see i see you up there and uh, you haven't wavered you haven't dropped even though this has just been a me and jesse rambling episode we appreciate you uh tuning just in what, and staying with us all, all of this is just verbal masturbation i'm astounded yep. that people actually listen and they don't they, more of these episodes they stay we give them visuals and pretty things and they drop in they drop out when it's just us chatting shit they, they never leave so uh, thank yeah. you everyone thank you for tuning in um we'll be back next week with our Penultimate, penultimate episode. It's uh, episode 97. So three episodes yes. left after this. And if you want to support us up until then, because after this, we get no money. Like we we are on the streets after I got till five ends. So if you could support us, that'd be great. 
free shipping this weekend as of tomorrow through till Sunday. Got till 5.teamer.com. I'll make up a special little design. I'll check up on the website so you can have something unique and pretty. Uh, but got till 5.teamer.com. Free shipping, people. Get on it. Urgh, vengeance. Uh, we'll be back next week. We have no idea what we're doing. We should have really planned these better. But uh, That's okay, Pete. It's good, though, because you only came up with this yesterday, and this was a good idea, so just keep was, doing that. It was a banger. I'll, I'll keep going for peas in the middle of the night, and, uh, and the magic will happen. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. Pick up some merch to support us, as I've said. Uh, subscribe, tell your friends, do all of that good stuff. Jesse, there's a website people can go to. What's it called? Gotofart.com! Amazing. Uh, we'll see you back here next Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you all dearly. Goodbye and good night, my angels. Good night.